0: Leon ditched me, but he ditched me for a good reason, for the record. Good reason. Good, good reason. uh, Hopefully he'll be back in the saddle next week. I'm happy to fill in. Podcast. I am your host Danny Paul. Leon will not be joining us this evening and in his place in the
1: vice host chair is Mr. Jones coming in for a guest special. How you doing Mr. Jay? I'm doing quite well. How are we doing Danny? It's uh, you know been a nice week. Weather cooled down up here in the north. It's yeah, tell nice. me about the north. You're not in the heat dome, are you? No, no, it's actually quite um, socked in with fog in San Francisco and, the, and it also creates a nice cooling effect. Breezy, enjoyable weather. Nice to be outside. Because I saw that Portland is uh,
0: Phoenix temperatures. Ooh, 116 and no AC. Uh, I'll do a hard pass. Uh I guess somewhere in Canada had like 118 or 119. Uh, Crazy. Doesn't affect me, man. I got really good air conditioning down here. So do you think it speaks to the climate change argument? Or is this a freak occurrence?
1: The world is getting warmer if you just go to how much rain we got in the North. I mean, everything, mm-hmm. everything has its kind of cyclicality to it and cycle. I'm not, I'm not deterring it. I, I'm not sure if I would call this phenomenon maybe one of uh Oh, it's climate change. It's definitely warmer than it has been up there. It was a dome that kind of got stuck and just kind of hung out and became a, a greenhouse. Let's just call it. And mm-hmm. uh, I, Other than that, I don't really know much more about it other than uh, reading what the news headlines had. But uh, I think generally it's getting warmer out there, man. It's hot.
0: It's definitely a down cycle for sure, because we were talking about whether or not we were going to get the monsoon season out here this summer. Last summer was the non soon because we barely got any rain at all. Uh, And when you have temperatures out here, it really, really sucks. So we're hoping we got a little flash of rain last week. We were supposed to get a little drip last night, but. Really what it does is it kicks the temperature down here about 10 or 12 degrees, which is
1: nice. And then it's a nice bearable one Oh six. I don't know, man. 106 is too much for me, but then again, that's why I live <laughs> up here in the North.
0: If you stay hydrated, you're under a fan in the shade, or you got a nice breeze. It's uh, it's doable, but I don't recommend it for everybody.
1: Anyway, sir, what is your Brown for this evening? I am drinking the wilderness trail. It's Kentucky bourbon uh, bottled in bond, uh, 50% alcohol. So it's hundred proof. Um, it is, I uh, was recommended by one of my local bottle shops here. Um, and I, I quite enjoy it. It's a little sweet. Uh, telltale of this is it's uh, mild grain, Kentucky bourbon that offers a sum in a single bottle, bottled in bond, two special releases uh, in one bottle. The single, uh, the single select barrel offers the nuances of premium copper, uh, select barrels that can reflect the toastiness in 18-year-old staves. Uh, so it's quite nice. I quite enjoy it. Uh, it was a little bit of a different one, a little bit uh, off from the tropical shelf at your local supermarket. Very cool, my man. I guess this is the bottled and bond night
0: because I'm still trying mm-hmm. to polish off my bottle of Old Forester 1897, which is also bottled and bond and also 100 proof. So here is to the bottled and bond night.
1: Cheers, sir. Mm. Cheers to you, sir. You rocking it or are you doing it neat? Uh, I do mine with a little bit of cubes. All right. All right. I'm
0: doing it neat tonight. So you might hear it in my voice by the end of the broadcast. Nice. I always <laughs> do it with the cubes. I'm kind of... You're always a two-cube man. I know that. I'm a two-cube kind of guy. Yep. What's the, uh, what's the justification behind that? What's your logic on the two-cube phenomenon?
1: Well, I know you... You know, I think typically adding a little water, uh, mellows it out. And then the other side of it is like things that are cold. It's just, uh, just my style. So I guess it's like, if you're ever on an even playing field, everything has a cube or two in it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, cause I like the big rock ice. If I'm going to do rocks, mm-hmm. one
0: gigantic iceberg monolith in my glass. <laughs> I'm not a big, uh, lots of ice
1: fan. That's, I usually save that for tequila. No, 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 not a lot of ice. Just, just enough to chill, mellow, soothe. Uh, That's about it. Just enough to keep it interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: Very cool, my man. Yeah, let's, good stuff. Uh, let's get into brown news.
1: If it's the darkest brown you got. Yeah. You're going to need a couple of things. You're going to need shot glass. And you're going to need some whiskey. And I got news for you.
0: This week's brown news comes to us from CBS News. This is dated June 17th. Scotch distillers toast the end to U.S. tariffs on single malts. Yay, the crowd goes wild. (sighs) The article begins, Scotch whiskey makers breathed a sigh of relief Thursday after the United States agreed to suspend tariffs on one of Scotland's main exports following the resolution of a longstanding trade row between the US and the European Union over subsidies to aircraft companies Boeing and Airbus. President Donald Trump slapped a 25% tariff on single malt scotch whiskey in 2019 as part of the trade dispute over aerospace subsidies. And I will always hate him for that, whether or not I like him for other things. While the UK no longer is an EU member, it belonged to the bloc when the tariffs were imposed and is a major participant in Airbus. Earlier this week, the United States and the EU reached an agreement to end their dispute. The breakthrough paved the way for a five-year suspension of tariffs both sides had placed on an array of products that have nothing to do with aircraft, including olive oil, cheese, and our beloved whiskey. The Scotch Whiskey Association estimated the tariffs caused more than $850 million worth of lost exports to the United States. That just makes me sad.
1: Oh, simple. Uh sad that it took this long. Uh sad that it's a political ploy to try and get what you want, but going the wrong way to do it. Uh, I think tariffs have their place when it makes sense when you're having certain dumping on the markets and so forth. And uh but this just seemed to kind of be in like, well, fine, I'm gonna charge you more. And it just doesn't do anything. You think tariffs are going to end up impacting, you know, the the Scott distillery, which does they see their sales go down and their margins get a little bit tighter and they have to find other ways to sell their stuff, which is good for growth. Maybe they find other markets. But the truth is, though, you know, it ends up putting more on the back of the purchasers. So here in the States, we paid more and we probably moved on to other things. Maybe it was better for the U.S. economy and its bourbon and whiskey purchasing appetites. Maybe they went to Japan. Maybe they went to outside Canadians. They make whiskey. Yep. Leon is a
0: firm believer that bourbon is on the up and up because it was already on its way up and up, but the tariffs only accelerated as many other things were accelerated in the last year.
1: Cause and effect.
0: The Scottish National Party, which runs the devolved administration in Scotland, welcomed the removal of tariffs on Scotch whiskey, but urged more support from the British government to help businesses that suffered. Whilst this announcement is very welcome after months of cross-party campaigning, the losses to Scotch whiskey exports have been eye-watering, and it'll take time for the industry to get back on its feet, lawmaker David Linden said. That's why further support is absolutely vital. Here, here. But our beloved Scotch is coming back to us. It's very difficult cost. to have Scotch conversations with Leon because Leon hates Scotch, mm. and he is only a bourbon man,
1: whereas you are a... Traveling, wizened consumer of the fine brown. Yeah, I I agree. I think it is the fine brown. It's the most expensive brown. If you really kind of want to get down to it, the nostalgia of Scotch whiskey is the funny thing is, is I remember I couldn't afford scotch in college. <laughs> it was way too expensive so uh it's kind of it's nice to see that the playing field has been leveled a little bit and maybe they can play a little catch up and maybe we get some interesting new additions to our local uh, watering hole shelves
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you're probably going to expect
0: a lot more coming over right because all of our bourbon barrels go over there and all of those barrels come back to us in the form of scotch so they've had plenty of our barrels going over now it's time to get it all back
1: takes a while to make it i mean like the end of the end of the day like and I think about, you know, obviously you're planning like five years ahead, five to eight years, you know, depending on what scotch whiskey you're really looking at. So, I mean, it's kind of interesting to think about the timing of, you know, this stuff has to sit in a barrel for a really long time before it actually hits the market. So, uh, it, it, I think in the end of the day, if it can cost us a little bit less and bring some more competitiveness, it'll, you know, hopefully reduce some of the prices, you know. But the end of the day, it's kind of like a... A free-for-all kind of what pricing is. I mean, we just kind of buy whatever we can find on the shelf if it looks interesting to us.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I noticed you pulled a couple of bottles of Weller a week or two back just because it was there. If it's there, I'm buying it, period. Oh. You do not pass up on Weller on the shelves, fans, never.
0: Uh, Leanne and I talked about that last week. Mm. Um, the article finishes up other British industries, including cashmere and construction vehicles were also affected by the trade dispute, which made exporting to the United States harder since October, 2019. Hmm. So we're looking at uh, 18, no, more than 18 months. Short, uh, 20, 20 months later, we're dealing with that. Anyway, scotch back on the shelf. All is well with the world. Proper, proper A, And that's our Brown News. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's get into business news. News
1: team, assemble! Let's get down, let's get down to business.
0: For those of you that were listening to, I believe, episode 30, it was, uh, I went on a rant about Oatly. And i was i don't want to say I was hating on on the company you know, good on you if you come up with a product and you bring it to market and you find investors. I was just a little I was miffed at their marketing campaign. I was miffed at the audacity of bringing alternative milk sources. Uh, it felt more like snake oil to me than a legitimate nutritional innovative product, and we promised the the listeners of the Bottle of Brown podcast, we would give an update. So the stock opened May 20th at $20.20. Got an immediate pop. And then over the course of usually what IPOs do is they, they run up a little bit, gives the investors a chance to sell off some of their stock, gives the market a little bit of a bump. They get some cheap capital. Maybe they can use some of that money to further invest in growth. And so from June 1st, until its peak on June 11th, stock went up to $28.73. So from 20 to 28 uh, in less than a month, that's a pretty good run. Since June 11th, the stock has meandered further, further down. It got down to 24 before jumping to 25, and now it's currently sitting at 23. So I believe we wanted to do... Uh, a month and maybe a year. So we'll look at this next June and we'll see how well it's doing. But I I thought this was snake oil at its finest. So our episode that we recorded on June 3rd was I pissed and moaned about Oatly and how it's stupid uh, stock market speculation about something you can make at home for pennies on the dollar and they're charging like 12 bucks a court. And I said, this is not going to end well. And this last episode that we recorded, Leon's like, you need to give an update on that. <clears throat> so here is your one month stock performance. You got your, so May 20th is when it opened. It opened to 20 bucks. It peaked June 10th at 28, and then it pre- proceeded to slide pretty hard down to twenty. pretty good
1: Val. It's a short window, uh, market cap at 13 billion. That's pretty sizable. It's called mm-hmm. like go to the financials, EBITDA, uh, REV 44, okay. Yeah, billion, and then- Nice and growth. Uh, but you're supposed to, so, but like, it's, tra- like the issue with this is it like, yeah, it's nice growth because like the reality is, is that if you look at the growth, then look at the expenses on that. It's probably super ballooned. So if you look at like, yeah, uh, yeah, you love seeing this like nice growth, but then you see what's expenses have done. What what have expenses done? They probably skyrocketed
0: Selling general administrative didn't really go up that high.
1: That's Operating not income's R&D, and d R and D, so R and D grew because you're going to. So what happens is, is companies basically only focus on one thing, that's top line growth. And so what ha- what you're trying to do is basically inflate that as much as you can, because we it's kind of nice to have a positive EBITDA. So in this case, where's the EBITDA? Yeah, see, I said that in sense. It's nice to have a positive EBITDA, but the reality is, is all you care about is the top line growth there to your first point. That's what you're looking for when these things first IPO, because they want to say like, look at our trajectory. It's so big, it's going somewhere. But the reality is, is they're pumping in, like they're hiring salespeople, they're hiring R&D, they're like, look at all this cool stuff we have and they're signing up people left and right to basically grow only revenue but sustainability when you see that at a negative 52 EBITDA I'm like okay you're like literally not even making enough money to kind of cover your interest expense or in this case I mean they don't even like look interest income they don't have any debt but like you're negative like you're negative like screw the fact is that you like what operating report expenses, how much is net, what's the net income? It's probably super low. Cause I mean, it doesn't make it negative sense. 84. Yeah. So you're negative 84, but then like, dude, how the hell is your EBITDA negative 52? Your EBITDA should be like, like, come on. So like, that's just, that's the telltale story of a company that went to IPO and dumped everything they could into their top line growth. And the reality is, is like, they don't make any money. So like to your point, it's a dog. It's got fleas. Now, obviously, I don't know it's investors. I don't know who it's partied with. I don't know who is in it, like, in what they even do. I'm just saying that, like, it's too early to tell because you have a lot of, I mean, someone underwrote it. Someone, you know, offered it.
0: Well, so the, the gist of, and you can probably check out one of the previous episodes, but the gist of it is they did a Super Bowl commercial that showed a guy playing a keyboard in the middle of an old field. And it was dumb. And they got flashy investors like Jay Z, and they're—I uh, don't think they were a spec. I think they went direct. Um, but what happens is they're—they're they're coming to market with what they think is something special. Only it's seven dollars a half gallon, and you can probably make oat milk for pennies on the dollar. And the reason that it's flashy oh. is because it's got famous investors like Jay Z, and Stupid. Uh, it speaks to dangerous IP territory. Uh, but I was, I was upset that they were coming to market with something that they were pretending was wonderful and you can make it at home.
1: It's the same. You can make almond milk at home. Oats are a lot cheaper than almonds. Like here's the thing. Like you could totally take oats, add water and make oat milk. Like you can, like that's actually really easy to do. Uh, almonds are more expensive and it actually doesn't make any sense to make almond milk at home because almonds are more, they're just pricier. It's, that's that's a, I don't know if you've ever made oh, uh, almond milk. It's not worth it. It's just flat out not worth it. And I pay $7 for oat milk. Look, I'm a, I am love oat milk. I use it in different things that are creative, but it's like a substitute creamer. Uh, pancakes, good example. You, know, mm-hmm. you get a box of uh, Aunt Jemima and it calls for oil, egg, and milk don't drink milk in this house. So, uh, it's a nice substitute oat milk. I guess the point is, is that, uh, as to Danny's point, it is easy to make and it is easily transferable to other, um, uh, manufacturers. Well, as well as just kind of generic brands in your local supermarket. So, uh, the idea of buying something that is, generic becomes difficult i guess the point what they would have would be you know they do make other products that go along with them such as in this case where uh, it is ice cream cold coffee yogurts cookies and cream uh spreads and curd well i guess you know they've done some technology they're, they're from sweden they're and, you know you know they're, they're spreading out the market a little bit i guess here's the thing your Swedish company trying to make ice cream and then sell it over here. You know, I guess it kind of works, but, uh, you know, it's just, uh, there's a lot of alternatives and I think everything have fads. Uh, I do believe alternatives away from dairy and meat substitutes is here to stay. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm not paying. I'm, I'm going to buy the cheapest oat milk I can find when I'm making my, you know, ice cream, which by the way, if anyone is out there making, um, your own ice cream that's dairy free, uh, coconut cream and oat milk are a great combination substitute for heavy cream. Uh, if you're uh, in milk, so but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting and alternative. Uh, I think you're out of flat stock. It's not really going to go anywhere. Uh, I don't see any evasion, but it'll, it'll kind of just hang around and maybe get acquired by a craft down the road.
0: Hmm. Excellent prediction, my friend. Let's move on to something else that uh, you found interesting. Uh, I find it mildly interesting because I want to see what happens and where it goes. I'm always fascinated by the trade-off between labor and capital. And I think labor is having its day. This one comes to us from CBS News also, dated on June 21st. Workers are resigning at record rates. That's good for the economy. You may have seen it known as the great resignation. You may have seen it as LinkedIn calls it the big shift. (laughs) It's people that are quitting. Variety of reasons for that, of course. But basically, they're not going back to work.
1: Interesting. Uh, there is a labor shortage, but it's interesting to say what sector of labor shortage we're actually experiencing. Um, it's difficult to find workers that would take the, it's your local bartender, it's your local server, it's the lower remedial jobs is, is becoming a difficult fill because people aren't willing to go back to work. I'm curious to see, um, you know, opportunities are out there. People have been sitting at home or not going back to work. And it's interesting to see what's going to transpire in the the coming months as as labor is needed and people not willing to fill it.
0: So the article begins, millions of American workers have quit their jobs in recent months, even with 9.8 million people unable to find employment, others are quitting at record rates, pushing the quits rate to never before seen levels. Some workers are leaving for new jobs with better pay or remote friendly working conditions. Others have decided to start their own businesses rather than collect a paycheck. Still others are quitting with no firm plans, confident they can get a better deal elsewhere as the economy rebounds from the pandemic recession. Mm -hmm. The rate at which people are quitting is ridiculously high given how high unemployment still is said Michael Pierce, senior U S economist at capital economics. People are so confident in their prospects of finding a new job that they're quitting at unprecedented rates. Nearly 4 million Americans left their jobs in April, according to data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, an unprecedented number in the two decades the government has been tracking this data, pushing the quits rate 24% higher than it was before the pandemic. Layoffs, which peaked at 13 million in March 2020, have come down to more typically monthly levels of under 2 million. Thoughts? What's your take on this? What are you
1: you thinking? uh, it's interesting the market's really crazy right now there's there's a lot of jobs out there but a lot of people don't want to fill them um i think it's a a, everyone's woken up with the fact is that they could do something better they've been kind of shaken i think a lot of people the pandemic like here's my view in, you know, a few words is that a lot of people have just spent the last, you know, year dealing with working from home, being laid off, working too much, uh, you know, having to commute, not having to commute and whatever it is. I think people have just taken a minute, taken a deep breath and looked at, I don't really like what I'm doing right now. Uh, I don't think this is going anywhere. I want to do something more. I want to do this. I've always wanted to do that. And I think this is an opportunity for a lot of people out there where they can choose their own path in a different segment. And this is the moment to do it. You have a huge safety net. The government's kind of behind you. If you think about unemployment and uh, the amount of liquidity that's out there, what they've been able to collect because, you know, here's your stimulus to check of this and that. So uh, the net is, is there for them and the opportunities. And we'll just kind of see where, where it takes them. And Uh, employers are going to struggle to do so. And I guess the last point I'll say is that if you're having issues with finding employees, the only way to change this problem is to increase wages. If you increase wages, you're going to overall create inflation. Mm -hmm. And this is the reality where people say that the current inflation is being influenced by a transitory position due to lack of supply in the market. And it's creating higher prices but if you look at it where employees don't want to take jobs and they will only take jobs at a higher wage that's permanent that's not transitory and if that's the case the inflation rate will be true and we will have higher inflation because i don't know about you but if i take a job and i'm going to get paid x and then next year, I'm like, oh, hey, by the way, I know we're going to pay you X, but now we're going to pay you X minus X. And here you go. That's not going to happen. You can't take away wages from people after you've already given it to them. Mm-hmm. That's why it's permanent. So that's kind of the conundrum that we're in right now. Um, there's jobs. The only way to fill them is to increase wages, probably, unless people start, you know, if time goes on and people actually get desperate and start taking filling those positions. Well,
0: how do you feel about people moving to lower standard of living areas and maintaining their current wages that then gives them more disposable income? Is that going to affect inflation as you've described it?
1: Uh, in those areas, like, 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 if you think about it, then I'm like, okay, fine. Uh, Bend, Oregon. Great example. Here we go. Like right. you go back to Bend, Oregon, about five years ago, you could buy a house for $200,000 because, you know, it was a lower income place and it was, it was undesirable bend. at the time. It was Bend. It's like, Oh, it's the middle of nowhere. Actually, if you think about it, you know, it's not near, it's it's somewhat near a major city, but you got to commute to it, it, you know, but it's Bend. Today, the house is now worth $800,000. So to your point, things always catch up with themselves uh the secret's out this is the secret the secret the secret and people all move to it and they find it and whether you want to talk about texas idaho oregon washington and this is just the west coast i mean you can go back to the uh lesser desirable maybe areas that are in alabama uh north carolina you know places that you know where they weren't desirable a while ago and they become, then you end up having an increase. That's just the reality. So maybe it's not today, but it will be tomorrow.
0: So on the screen here, we have a report. Americans are quitting their jobs at a record pace. The source for this particular survey was Prudential. And what they came back with was 87% of people surveyed want to work remotely at least one day of the week versus 13% that want to go back full-time on site. And one of the causes of this, aside from just the uh, natural drop in uh, kind of the age range, I mean, we're approaching the, the nadir of the birth rate, right around 79 and 80 is when There were fewer babies, so there's fewer 41, 42, 43-year-olds right now. Um, And because of that, the baby boomers are retiring at a a pretty pretty fast clip. Then you've got uh, certain areas where employment's high and people are not willing to take those low-end jobs. But really what it looks like, the general consensus is, I don't like it here anymore. I don't want to go back to the office. I can work from anywhere because of the internet. And because of the pandemic, we've proven that companies will survive without an office. And what it seems to be, at least what I'm seeing, is that people are
1: saying, if you're going to make me come back to the office, I'll just quit. It's true. Uh, I think there needs. I think that is the uh, position that employers are going to struggle with today when they um, want to have people in 100% of the time. Um, I'm curious on that 13%. Who do you think makes it up? What's your theory? <laughs> Um, my guess is young people. <clears throat> my guess when,
0: when you look at who likes to be mm. in the office, you're either running to something or running from something. So, if you don't enjoy your relationship mm. at home, you're probably going to want to run out to the office. There are plenty of uh funny jokes about people at your stage of parenthood where you're like, oh, I'll go get that from the store just because you want to get the hell out of the house. So, if you're running to the office, uh, that makes perfect sense to me because you want to get out and you want to, you want to leave your relationship or you want to take a break from your family. That's perfectly understandable. When you're young, the office is where things happen. Uh, A certain percent of people find their mates at the office, a certain percentage of people enjoy working. And when you're young, you've got time and you've got energy. And so you want to work and you want to be somewhere where there's a social atmosphere. You like free lunches. You like the water cooler discussions. When you get to, kind of the point where we are, where we have 2.5 kids, picket fence and a dog. I don't want to go into the office because I have other things to live for. And I'm wondering if personally your 13% is the office as escape. It's, Unless it's, it's, it's like a factory.
1: Escape.
0: Unless it's a no. factory
1: where you have to be there. No, I, I think the 13% of people who who want to escape, I think you're absolutely right. I just wanted to bring that point up because I think... <laughs> Uh, from what I've seen and experienced it's that that's usually what it is at eighty seven I don't think anyone wants to commute stick in traffic, sit on a smelly train and you know deal with you know going in five days a week i mean one day shit, I'd like to see what the survey is if like you could you know fifty percent or 30 thirty uh
0: thirty forty well i mean there there is going to be a bit of a stiff battle at Apple over this because Apple said, we need you three days a week. And Apple employees are saying, no, you don't. And what happens when the fruit comes down hard and says, you come in and you lose your job. There is a significant amount of demand for people wanting to work at Apple. What I'm wondering is I was thinking about this today. I was talking to the wife about it. There's two things that come to mind. Their revenue profits, growth, They hit what two trillion? I mean, how big are they now, right? Largest company in the world. They hit that while while working remotely. So clearly, remote work has not affected their business. What I'm wondering is, has it affected their R and D pipeline? Are we going to see in a couple of years that there's going to be a a drought of Apple products because people didn't come into the office? Because obviously, at face value, let them work from home.
1: You did okay.
0: Even in a, even at a company like Apple, you've got a civil war going on of people not wanting to come in.
1: Yep. Uh, collaboration is my biggest thing that I have with working from home. So, yeah, I think I could see anyone that has a development. Uh, a lot of the you know the tech space here is, I think it's pretty split. You do find companies that, oh, no, you're 100% everyone back in the office. They want growth and they need it. And the only way they're going to do it is collaborating in the office R&D hands on working together. And if, you know, if that employee doesn't want to do that, they'll find an employee that will Apple will, and there'll be an employee right behind them that will take that Apple employee. I mean, that's the, that's the tech shift, man. Like you look at any tech resume, it's like, they're. I had this at Google. I had this over at this startup. I, you know, they bounce around. So yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, former Microsoft and former Google is a thing that you put on a resume. Yeah. And Oh, okay. And you're supposed to move. So, yeah, to to an extent, I agree with you on the inflation thing because sitting where you are, wages have to go up. What I'm wondering is if somebody goes to Austin or they go to St. Louis or they go to Denver or they go these places and they get a raise, yes, of course, the raise is what triggers inflation. But if they go somewhere and maintain their salary – they're going to get an immediate bump in their standard of living, which is going to give them a lot more disposable and discernible income such that they're going to want to spend more and more spending would raise demand, which then would raise prices. It's,
1: it's an interesting, uh, uh inflation is here, I believe. And so we'll, we'll see where it takes us. I and mean, we didn't even get into the money supply argument. Oh,
0: not yet. anyway that wraps it up for business news let's get to the crank file i could look for something in the crank file crank file whatever this week's crank file comes to us from reuters and the section of reuters is the oddly enough newsletter this week's crank file would you wash with snail slime Soap. This one comes from May 17th, reported by Roars, coming out of France. I'm not even going to begin to try and pronounce that town in France. We'll just go with a town in France. The article begins foamy slime bubbles onto Damien Desrochers' hand as he lightly rubs one of the thousands of snails he keeps in an enclosure in his backyard. The 28 year old French artisan began using the gastropod fluid to make soap bars, which he sells in local markets back in December. It's all in the dexterity of how you tickle. Des Rochers said as he extracted the slime, noting that the process does not kill the animals. I only touch it with my finger. You see, it's not violent. It's simple. A former Air Force computer technician, Des Rochers decided to start farming snails in northern France as a form of returning to nature. Once you observe and see how snails behave, they're actually very endearing, he said. It's really an animal that I love. He's raised a total of 60,000 snails. As they enter the reproductive season, most are transferred to a larger site, while around 4,000 are kept in an enclosure at his home to harvest the slime. A single snail will yield about two grams of slime, meaning he needs around 40 snails to produce 80 grams, enough to manufacture 15 100-gram soap bars. We need quite a lot of snails, he said. Although quite uncommon in Western cosmetics, snail mucus has become a more common ingredient elsewhere, including in Korean beauty products noted for its anti-aging properties. Des Rocher said slime contained molecules of collagen and elastin, which have anti-aging and skin healing properties. Snails also naturally use their slime to repair their shells if damaged. Des Rocher said he aims to produce 3,000 snail slime soap bars in his first year of production. What do you think about uh, snail slime? You're in the Bay Area. You're progressive. You're hip.
1: Yeah, I don't know about this. I'd rather just yeah. Uh, sure, I like the eating snails. They taste great. It's garlic and butter. Um, <laughs> I, it's, to be honest, I mean, like, sure. I just don't see a reason. I mean, what's the what what's the driver here? Like, are we looking for sustainability? Are we looking for alternative? Or, I mean. Uh, Korea and it's, you know, anti-aging and yada, yada, all that stuff. I mean, it's still going to be, it's just soap. It's just washes your hands. I don't know. Like what? Yeah. Tonight
0: we make soap. I'll tell you what, you are looking at these pictures though on the website, they look pretty much like you have seen lots of this artisanal soap as they make it in one gigantic Mm -hmm. cube, they wire cut it. And so it's a rough, rectangle with a paper wrapping they leave part of the soap exposed and it's kind of got that let's go au naturel but i i can't And it kind of gives a new meaning to the word soap scum right yeah like what happens if you leave one of these bars of soap in the bathtub you remember jay moore's joke right yeah one dad (laughs) one mom three kids one bar of soap
1: one bar of soap you know where that soap's been all right Sure. I guess I just want to know why snails, <laughs> what it's just, uh, I has Tyler dirt in my head, you know,
0: and tonight, yeah. tonight we make soap. Tonight we make soap. Uh, I think snails are fascinating animals because the slugs really do heal themselves and they mm-hmm. heal their shells and they are extremely, mm-hmm resilient creatures so if there's some method of that that can transfer over to your own skin from the soap it sounds like snake oil i mean it made the crank file but who knows maybe there's something to it i don't think reuters picks up weird stories i, I was very surprised that i could get a crank file story in from reuters uh internationally recognized bastion of journalism uh, but this one was just too good to pass up because this guy is serious Sixty thousand snails in a town in northern france and he kept a straight face
1: Yeah. Well, maybe, uh, hopefully a bar coming to your city and town soon. Yeah. Unfortunately they don't give a price.
0: So we'll have to try and do an update later. We'll find (laughs) out if we can produce 3000 snail slime soap bars in the first year of production. We'll get an idea as to what these things cost. The company is Savon. No, it's French. I can't make it out. Anyway, snail slime soap. Good time. Yeah. (laughs) yeah <laughs> that's it for the crank file yeah. let's get on to our special position of the crank file because florida this week's because florida comes to us from the sun sentinel SunSentinel.com. palm beach boca raton man who fired shots from balcony thought he was in a game like grand theft auto oh florida boca raton man charged with attempted murder after he fired at police from his balcony told investigators he thought someone had poisoned him and that he was being controlled like a character in a video game kyle raymond's 25 was arrested sunday afternoon at his apartment in the 6700 block of congress avenue a 911 caller reported a man with a gun was acting unstable quote unquote and screaming in the parking lot Police heard gunshots as they arrived. Two bullets at a police car shielding two police officers, the police report says. One round went through a tire of the car while the other pierced the roof. If one officer was still in the car, this round would likely have struck him. Probable cause affidavit says. So they use probable cause. (laughs) I think there's a problem when somebody is shooting at us from a balcony.
1: (laughs) I don't know. Was he defending his <laughs> space? Was he standing my question. ground?
0: Which GTA? GTA
1: 1? Uh, GTA 5? What are we talking about here? Which one? Which one? Which one? Come on. <laughs> oh, that's good. Why? You know, it's crazy, man. That was a great game. It, in college, uh, that's where, I think it was GTA 3? It came out. LA? Was it LA? But, uh, oh, that was, was a great City game. was my favorite. It was Vice City, yeah, that's That what was, it was straight
0: up 1980s cocaine Miami Vice. That was awesome. Yeah.
1: But didn't you have a problem? Like you would, you, you know, you'd go to a total bender and you'd be shacked up, you know, playing that game for probably a good like six hours straight, got nothing oh, to yeah. do, Don't, avoiding, avoiding class or study or the reader or whatever it was. 100%. You'd, you, you'd go straight into the game for like six hours and all of a sudden you get this like hunger pain down. You're like, oh, I got to go eat something. And you hop in the car and you're still in the goddamn game and you're like whipping down the road you're driving too fast you gotta like hey wait this is this is not a video game yeah this you is know kind of like we tony slow hawk. you
0: don't play tony hawk and get on
1: a skateboard so you're actually right yeah like you would always get into it to be like oh yeah this this is this is real life we we got we, we got to slow this down a little. <laughs> A search so JK, of the fifth-floor no. apartment Box found started. a handgun on the kitchen
0: counter, two rifles leaning against the bed, a loaded rifle magazine, and loose bullets. The probable cause affidavit says Raymond told police he owned approximately six guns. Police say Raymond admitted to firing 13 rounds from a 40 caliber Sig Sauer P229 handgun from his balcony into the sidewalk. Raymond told police he may have fired another round into the roof of his apartment. After police arrived, Raymond said he fired approximately two... Two twenty-three Remington rounds from a Ruger rifle. He said he aimed for the car but didn't know whether an officer was in it. He thought he was in a video game similar to Grand Theft Auto. Raymond had vaped Delta Number Eight THC he purchased at a smoke shop. Knew he believes someone poisoned him. He believed that he was being controlled in a video game. He believed that his actions were being controlled by someone else. Uh, Delta Eight. Number eight, THC, is a chemical similar to, but less potent than, cannabis, according to the National Institute of Health's Library of Medicine. Effects of the drug can include pain relief, sleepiness, and in some cases, difficulty breathing, and a penchant for (laughs) funyuns. Delta number eight apparently is legal in most states, including Florida, although some states are attempting to ban it. Some studies of the substance have turned up harmful heavy metals such as lead, according to a recent study from the U.S. Cannabis Council. Raymond's mother called police on Saturday and reported that her son was acting erratically. (laughs) Oh, my God. Raymond told police he works as a cashier at Heritage Smoke Shop in Boca Raton. (laughs) Never (laughs) get high on your own supply. Rule number one, people.
1: Simple economics, folks.
0: Come on. Apparently he had not shown up to work in four days. <laughs> it's hell of a bender. He declined to comment. Oh, this That's... sucks. The attempted murder charges could bring a sentence of 30 years to life.
1: Ah. Idiot. Idiot. <laughs> Jesus. Oh. I love how your defense. Yeah, I love how your defense is. Hmm. Yeah, I'm in a video game. It's yeah, I'm being controlled no by a video game.
0: That's a wonderful yeah. defense. We absolutely got to use that. Yeah. Jesus Christ, I'm a moron. Anyways. <sighs> That's it for the crank file. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Time for parenting. We can make kids right now. That's why we're here. It's not the years. It's the mileage. All right. So I obviously want to know about the Prince of Walnut Creek since we got you on the air. But I want to talk about something else that I think is interesting that I want to get your take on. My oldest, who is nine. Uh, has had some dental work before because we're new parents and we were awful at brushing his teeth. So he had to have one of his uh, front molars in his jaw removed and they put in a metal spacer, we call it his magic tooth. But Mm. he went back to the dentist a couple of weeks ago and the dentist said, okay, these top teeth, um, kind of as some of his upper molars are like, they need to come out. This is not, his, he should, his adult teeth should be pushing these out. And so they decided to pull four
1: of his teeth this morning. Whoa, wait, 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 wait. They aren't just teeth. These are molars though. Like, like two, goes, oh, I lost my front tooth. Two
0: bicuspids and Ooh. two eye teeth. His vampire fangs got pulled.
1: Oh, okay, cool. So he's, okay, I love that. I want a picture later. Mm-hmm. Uh, Let's see if I
0: can get you one, but he's got his four teeth in the front and then he's got a big hole before yeah. <laughs> he gets to his chewing molars
1: on the back. So he looks like a horse. Yeah, I love that. Uh, oh, man. I, I feel sorry for the kid. That's that. That's rough. Kid's uh, tough,
0: man. He went in. That's... No problem. He's like, they're just going to paint my teeth and they're going to fall out because I guess they used uh, a liquid anesthetic um,
1: oh. last time.
0: I guess they put laughing gas on him this time. So they put the mask on. He went out right away. Bang, 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 bang. And they shoved a whole bunch of gauze in his mouth. So when he came walking out, he looked like he had like a whole box of gauze in his mouth. And he, you know, he was, he was all drugged up. So he was kind of like, you know, pointing down at his crotch cause he had to go to the bathroom and we had to figure out a hand signal system to get him to talk. But within three hours, maybe we had a little bit of children's Tylenol in him, and he was, he was pretty happy. We had to find some things for him to eat that were not like he loves tacos. So obviously we can't eat tacos because he can't have anything crunchy. It can't break into pieces in his mouth. So mm-hmm we played around with smoothies and popsicles and soup and uh, we got him a smoothie at Costco and uh, he's a funny kid, Uh, but he's a trooper. I mean, by the end of the day, he was, he was right as rain. Great, Um, But then we ran into the inevitable conundrum of now we have four teeth and I want to know what the bottle of Brown audience thinks of this bottle of Brown at gmail.com a uh, special announcement to Mr. Jones. Did you know that we're now up to the magic 23? Whoa, we all been talking. We went to the magic 14 to the magic 15, and we are now up to the magic 23. I informed Leon of this today, even though he couldn't make it. So now the magic 23, what do you think about this? bottle of brown at gmail.com. You can email Danny, you can email Leon. And if you want to, you can even send a note to Mr. Jones. We will forward it over to him. Can you do four teeth for the tooth fairy at once, or should you spread it out at one tooth per day? Send us your thoughts bottle What do
1: you think man? Well, uh first, everyone as a parent has your what is your reward? what what, what is the offering to the the child for his endearment of, of losing a teeth? Is it uh, for me growing up it was always um the pillow with a few dollars or something like that underneath. I guess we've moved on to toys these days is kind of what I've seen with some of my friends. And uh, is, is that what we're speaking of today? Yeah, we have,
0: uh, we have a listing of toys that mm. uh, wife brought in and that's what we were going over before we went on the air is she procured a, a list of little things. Like I want to say, uh, given that we both agree inflation is probably going to be upon us. As of the current state of things, we like to cap our toy prices at ten dollars. Probably most likely at Target or Amazon. So Mm -hmm. a tooth in today's (laughs) a tooth (laughs) at today's exchange rates is ten dollars. Oh
1: man, inflation! Jesus, it was only a dollar. It was a dollar when we were a kid. Maybe even (laughs) a quarter. It's like here, go spend it on the vending machine. we We get him a transformer
0: or something, or he likes this new thing called brackets. Okay. uh b-r-a-c-k-i-t-z whatever whatever the toy of the day is he meets kids at summer camp and he comes home and he's like so-and-so's got this we got to get it it's like all right here we go like <laughs> we finally went to streaming where there's no more commercials so we escaped please buy me this uh uh-huh. but they still hook up with other kids and the other kids are like no no i got this from blah 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 and so the great circle of life
1: so to your point it's a tough one it's uh do you space it out but then again you lose the whole point of well the tooth fairy like do you do one tooth a night or do you do all four and then the tooth fairy just comes in and just drops off one at a time I uh, I think if it was me in my situation in the near term a toy night I think if you give them all all of them all at once it loses the nostalgia of the toy. They'll just basically go to the one that they want the most. So pretty much probably the big one, the big toy and kind of washes out the other three. So maybe start low and go high. That's, that's usually point. the way that's a good way we do it. That's a good point. It
0: does. I think I. that's, I agree completely. I think it'll wash out. So I've, mentioned as you saw that i i would like to spread it out to four so i was trying to tee this up in the car today Going, no i i think the tooth fairy only takes one i think that's i think that's a rule and the wife was like no i think the tooth fairy will take them all at once because i think she just wants to be done with it and get it over with you know because she doesn't want to handle why we're looking at biohazard like this is this is human tissue we're talking about here
1: well And the fact is that there's a holiday that's fast approaching and you don't want to have to be the last one on, on the fourth to have to deal with either. So I don't know what state of mind you're going to be in, but I expect it to be three sheets to the wind. This is true. This is true.
0: So I'm going to push for, (laughs) I'm going to push for winter night. And if we hear from any of our Browners out there listening, if you want to talk to us, magic 23, give us your take on this. We'll read your email on the air. I'm gonna go with four. I'm gonna go with one per night over the course of four days because we have a four-day weekend coming up. Summer camp is closed on Monday, and we usually pull them on Fridays. So we're recording this on a Thursday night. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, one a night.
1: Just building remember, up to the crescendo Hanukkah style of the biggest gift on the last night. So you got to remember, don't be too too trashed on Sunday. Oh, absolutely! After all not. the fireworks. After all no, the fireworks. No. Oh. Fireworks
0: are an interesting topic. I think I want to revisit this. So, if you have a chance to join us next week's broadcast, we can talk about what you did for the Fourth. But I have a spot where I can see the entire Phoenix Valley. I can see awesome. downtown. I can see the Cardinal Stadium in Chandler. I can see the racetrack. So, if I can find a way to park a couple of lawn chairs up there on this little ridge, I can see the entire valley of the Sun. And interesting of the timing. Because the Suns are in the NBA Finals now, this city is going to go nuts.
1: They're a little excited out there. I've seen them. Little Wayne, too. For reals. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got the same kind of situation here, too. Um, uh, It's going to be – like this is a fourth one that we've done here, and um, it's enjoyable because the same thing, there's a hill behind us, and you can park it and see – three different shows and mm-hmm. whatnot so it's nice it's fun it's simple easy uh it's not much not much to it don't have to get in the car you know it's one of my favorite holidays very cool well
0: that wraps up parenting Hmm. Mm-hmm. we'll be right back And we're back. I got to know. How is the Prince of Walnut Creek? How's he doing? Is he still sleeping? Is he still eating? Is he still pooping?
1: Oh, oh all of that. Definitely. Um, you know, he's got his moments. Uh, we're at four months and a week. Four months, seven days, actually. Okay. Um, uh, so, you know, we're coming into different phases. Uh, I think this is the, the topic where I'd say um, he's no longer a lump. <laughs> you know, they've, they've actually have personality now. So I think that's actually, um, the, the biggest joy is, and you kind of love it It's where you make them laugh and you hear them laugh for the first time. Mm-hmm. Like, so that was tonight. And literally like almost a tear could come down my eye because it was so awesome to, just, to let them explode in laughter just by, you know, being there because, because they're so happy and they're so innocent and just everything is just so wonderful. So, uh that was today's thing um you know everything else about him is great you know he he has his moments like sometimes he'll wake up two night two times a night one sometimes he won't even wake up at all and he's he is a sleeper like you ever look at you like a kid and all of a sudden go hmm are you me or you more like the wife and in this case more like the wife Ah. like more like the wife because i'm a non-sleeper like i only need a few hours and and i'm good Mm -hmm. um the wife will sleep for a long period of time and it's great because the two of them just sleep together. It's they, she's got the bassinet still sitting next door. You know, we haven't moved into the crib yet. Uh, I guess that's actually a topic is when did you decide to move the kids to the crib?
0: I don't remember exactly when, but I remember agonizing over. It.
1: It's tough.
0: Yeah. It's a tough, it's, it's a tough a, point. Because it's a thing. It's absolutely it's a, a, a thing because Every part of the child's life, specifically the first one, every part of that child's life, you constantly second guess everything you're doing because there's no manual Uh and you can get advice from both sets of parents. And they all, I mean, they raised two different children. That's how you two met. So it's, you get two different perspectives on things. You can read books by the experts. You can look at blogs, YouTube videos. You can read articles in newspapers and really you have to, it's the reason that the second child is so much easier than the first one is because you've been through it and you've been like, oh, I know exactly what to do now. I know exactly what to look for. I know what the signs are. They're they're my children. So even though my two boys are complete opposites, they still exhibit the same telltale signs of when they want something because they're a combination of our genetics. So whether or not you decide on a specific timeline, uh, you're going to agonize over it. Mm -hmm. And I want to let you off the hook. So it's, (laughs) it's not, it's not the end of the world. Uh, We've told this to you many times before, all the people that we've had on the show with us and and private conversations we've had offline is the kids are amazingly resilient. Don't drop them, but they are tough. Yeah. You can pull on them. You know, they're, they're, they're not going to fall apart. So when you get into sleep training, which apparently you don't have to worry about because you suck. Uh, yeah. You're going to get into bottle-to-solid foods. Yep. Little man's going to start crawling. Crawling mm-hmm. comes to standing. Standing comes to walking. Walking comes to hide everything.
1: Keep yeah. um, a wet that's... rag around
0: because once they find something, their way of interacting <laughs> with it, that is just to put it in their mouth. <laughs> that's how you So is now. You've got two different things to worry about. One is your stuff gets spit on it. Two is...
1: Is the stuff he's putting in his mouth clean? Yeah, like how safe are you about putting stuff? Like, it's like literally everything goes in the kid's mouth. Like, I think we go through 12 bibs, maybe even more, like a bib mm-hmm. an hour, if not even more. It's just like everything goes in the kid's mouth. Now, why? He's teething. It's obvious. He's four months. Those little suckers are starting to pop through. Oh, yeah he's trying to soothe ice, you know, ice rags and teething toys and all this stuff. It's just like, it's a phase. Like I get the science. It's it's fine. Um, but yeah, you bring up all the really good points. Um, I try to take that always is like, they're not this unbreakable piece of glass. They, you know, so it's just interesting with, with, with the movement to, from, uh, the bassinet over to the crib. It's interesting right now as we're kind of in a phase where, you know, it's more on us to do so because, you know, he wants soothing with, you know, he wakes up, he wants a binky in his mouth and then he goes back to sleep. So this would be us formally having to go find him when he is fussing putting it in right. and then going back to bed versus rolling over flipping his mouth and then turn around and going back to sleep so it's it, it's a process i'll tell you this the damn kid is in the 98 percentile in height and he ain't gonna fit much longer in that damn bassinet mm-hmm. He's well, i mean lit. you're
0: you're seven feet tall what do you think is going to oh, yeah. happen? Oh, dude, he's huge. He's interesting huge. thing about the binky is when the first child drops a binky, you sanitize, wash it, and put it through uh, Andromeda strain <laughs> protocols. For the second child, you just pick it up off the floor, stick it in your
1: own mouth, and stick it back in theirs. That's what I tell my wife. No. She's just like, I think that's ridiculous. You can't do that. I'm like, I'll just put it in my mouth and be done with this. I'm moving Kids, on. they don't care.
0: <laughs> um, no, you uh, – so you're – I've talked to, I've talked to Leanne about this. I've talked to, uh, talked to General Tezo. I've talked to a, a variety of the guests that we have in this podcast about how this works. I've written about it. The idea of bringing the kid from the bassinet in the room next to you to their own room or to their own place is the first step of the rest of the child's life of teaching them. Yours place is over there. Mm-hmm. Our place is over here. Now we are not far away. We are here to protect you, keep you safe, and take care of you. But that is kind of the first. Well, actually, the first is cutting the umbilical cord. But the second is you can't be next to me all the time. Mm -hmm. And that is kind of a microcosm of what happens as they get older. At some point, I'm not going to dress you anymore. At some point, I'm going to expect you to bathe yourself. At some point, I'm going to expect you to feed yourself. At some point, I'm going to expect you to go out and get a job. And so you look at those milestones over the course of their life. This is the first one where you have to say, yeah, life is good here next to us. We can roll over and take care of you, but you need to go over there. It's kind of the uh-huh. pushing the baby out of the nest, so to speak.
1: Yeah of uh, it like so that and
0: remember that it's absolutely natural because if it doesn't work you can always bring the kid back
1: in this is true it's not very far away it's not forever so that's where we're at to be honest um and i think it's this is really useful it's really really good advice um as a first time parent so uh learning uh learning the trade as some would say but uh, it's it's fun and he is wonderful He's a joy to have in our lives. can't believe it's already been four months. Stoke man. That's wonderful. Good stuff. Good stuff. Thank you for being the vice host tonight. You're very welcome, Danny. Uh, this was a lot of fun. I will uh, hopefully make more of these and have a little bit more free time. I like popping in. This is, this is good times. And uh, thank you to the 26 or 23. Magic 23. Magic 23. Thank you. Happy third quarter to you, sir. Yes, and
0: sir. uh happy 4th of July if I don't talk to you.
1: Absolutely same to you.
0: is dead anyway, man.